In this episode of Schneps Connects, we're going to talk about the cannabis industry. And we have one of the industry leaders with us today, who is Mike Wilson. He's the CEO and founder of Tamika. With over 30 years of experience, Mike has personally been involved with designing, building, and opening more than 400 cannabis dispensaries here in the U.S. He's working with brands like Cookies, Stizzy, and others to bring their dispensary vision to reality. Tamika is also an approved partner for social equity dispensaries here in New York and is supporting many dispensary build-outs for those with licenses. Hi, uh, Mike. Great to have you here. Hey, pleasure to be pleasure to be here, Josh. Looking forward to it. So a lot of people have a lot of questions about the cannabis industry here in New York. You know, obviously it's been rolling out. It's been what seems to be kind of a slow rollout here in New York. But before we get into the whole rollout, I would love for you to just share a little bit about, you know, Tamika and specifically, you know, your involvement in the New York cannabis industry. Yeah, no problem. Um, just founded the company 31 years ago and, you know, been doing retail stores forever, built by 7,000 retail stores, every mall of America. And in that duration, I did a lot of jewelry stores. So when I saw cannabis come up, you know, shit, it's jewelry stores. If you look at it, it's kind of the same, you know, kind of a good parallel. Mm-hmm. I did some back in the early 215 days in California, which was probably 20 years ago. It was kind of a semi-legal point of that in California, did that aspect and then jumped into it 2015 to 16, got deep into it. Got very blessed and fortunate to get brands like Cookies and Stizzy doing their brands. And that kind of great in the space of, of kind of credibility in the space. I was building those stores. So a couple of years ago, a guy, Kalen Castetter, approached me on New York and said, hey, I'd love you to come up here and start talking to some of the legacy people and just start talking, having conversations about cannabis. And went up to Binghamton, New York, met with 72 of his different clients and talked about the journey like Cookies, Stizzy and all them did relatively to the you know California market as the way New York is now new, how they could be become potentially that type of brand and what that looked like. So it was just kind of good to show them behind the background of how these brands started, you know, very base level and grew their legacy into a legacy brand and, you know, Stizzy number one brand in the United States. And it was kind of exciting watching their faces kind of go, oh my God, really? Are you kidding me? Like they just look at them at a different level because they're looking at these guys as the, the epitome in the space and not realizing the grand level of how they started and where they're at today. So a lot of it was like the construction, I assume, design and construction that you were doing initially with these companies. Yeah. So I did a couple, you know, dispensaries, you know, in that time period, Stizzy was in the period of building their store. I went in there, met a couple of the founders and said, Hey, do you guys need help? I could tell they didn't know exactly what was going on. So I said, Hey, can I help you? Absolutely. I went in and talked to Kevin, the guy that was building the store and he came from more of a uh, residential background talk to him about different things. We got to turn around in 45 days. Uh, the founder goes, hey, Mike, build all my stores. Thank you for doing this. Wow. This is great for speed. And then we just kind of started creating like, you know, get to number store two, three, four, created, you know, kind of like the financial requirements to get there. And that's how it was just building blocks, you know, just a slow increment. Then we're doing two stores under construction. Now they have over 30, mainly in California, they have some in Michigan and, and growing abroad as we speak. So what did you learn through that process? Because obviously, you know, retail is so important to capture people's attention. The cannabis industry is probably a little bit different. Like you were saying, it was similar to jewelry store. It is really its own thing that a lot of states have not seen before. So what have you learned and how have you evolved as a company from when you first started building, you know, your first group of stores to today in terms of how you look at each project? You know, what was really cool is I created that trust between us and me, Tameka and the client. 
And he, he opened up everything to us. So not just seeing the retail, you know, we had some retail experience, but just understanding the back of house, understanding manufacturing, understanding cultivation, understand packaging, understanding the whole ecosystem from, you know, seed to sale, how that all works, because it helps you with the processes that you need to do. And also to the mentality of the teams of how they work. You know, some teams are very collaborative, very, some are very siloed and how to work with them and get the team all on the same page of a direction, you know, and the core competencies and the culture of the company. You know, that's obviously super important to, to be able to get that culture and see it grow with the company as it gets bigger. Interesting. So talk a little bit about what you offer now in addition to construction, right? From an architectural and construction standpoint, that's part of it. But if I'm not mistaken, you've also evolved to be able to offer some other services to, to companies that have licenses that are building out their stores. Yeah. So obviously been exposed to quite a few builds, you know, people doing it wrong and correcting them. And what we're able to do is from the very start of site selections, we were given a lot of New Yorkans, you know, the diligence of what to look at, you know, bathroom selection, egress issues, and, and let's be real, the rent, how much are you paying for rent? Like mm-hmm. some of these people get a little emotional. They want to get this location, but they haven't got a business plan to put that in. And, and do you really want to open a business that you're so stressed on covering that rent? Let's reverse engineer into those numbers, create a business plan to succeed. So we've got partners that help us do that with them. But secondarily, it's just, let's make sure that we do the due diligence so there's no surprises. In this, you know, crazy six years or whatever we've been doing this, I've seen so many people come to us because they've got halfway through the build, they ran out of money because they thought it was going to be X. You know, and I know, Josh, it's never a good time to be going and raising money halfway through a build. And people know that a distressed situation, they get leveraged, they get taken out, and it's just not a pleasurable experience. So that's what we kind of do is give a turnkey, you know, the whole apple of what it's going to do versus the, the nibbling. And we were involved with portions of that, we realized, hey, we got to go to the very beginning to set them up for success for the whole number to be able to get your store open because some people just, you know, they, they don't know. They don't know what they don't know. So we offer a lot of, you know, just guidance and, and consulting on that as- applications. Yeah. Listen, a lot of people, it seems that are getting into the industry haven't done it before, right? I mean, obviously it's just been legalized, but maybe they haven't even done retail. New York, it seems to be has been a bit of a slow roll And if I'm not mistaken, the beginning is really making sure that there's a social equity ownership perspective in the cannabis industry. And I'd love to hear if you, you know, have worked with any of those businesses and also, you know, really what is available to those businesses from a financing perspective. Yeah, absolutely. So the good thing that New York did is they put their money up. You know, a lot of states and cities have just given, hey, Josh, congratulations. You won the social equity prize. Here's a piece of paper. Well, what does that mean? You know, at the end of the day, yay. But, you know, what does it mean to do it? We will get that store open. What the state of New York done is they put a fund. The state put up 50 million. Chicago Atlantic put up 150 million. So it's a $200 million fund. And they're paying for these stores to get built. Then financing them with the card applicant or the card licensee over 10-year amortization. So the good thing is you're not having to come up with, you know, several million, million and a half dollars up front to build your store and open it. They have that amortized over 10 years. So just not the necessity, not having to go raise capital, diluting your equity and all those applications, they fully have their store 100% owned and financed by the state of New York. So kudos to them and, and rolling back to the slow roll, there wasn't a playbook to do this. You know, at the end of the day, this has never been done before. 
you know, government, you know, working on things. It does take a little time, but they've gotten it. We're starting to turn over some permanent stores. We're getting, making this thing happen now. So it is starting to, you know, build some momentum going through the end of the year. But, you know, it's also putting together a plan for the illicit shops, how to shut them down. Yeah. Supply chain, because you can't just open, you know, 100 stores without supply chain. So there's a lot of nuances that have to be planning and strategizing on how to roll this out. Yeah, I think it's been very unfair to the license holders to see so many locations in New York openly, you know, promoting the sale of cannabis when in fact they're not licensed. But I, I think that you're right, that that's an important part of the process is to just figure out how to be able to make sure that those are held accountable. Yeah. And that's one thing that was pretty cool. We turned over a store two weeks ago to Bleecker. And what we did is on the front window put New York approved tested cannabis bought here because I honestly think, and it would be interesting to go out in the street and take an interview of people. I don't think the average consumers knows the difference between illicit and legal. I really I don't agree. think. I agree. I think they just look, Hey, it's cannabis. I'm going to go buy it. I do not think they, they know maybe 80%. And I, I don't know what that number is, but I guarantee majority do not know the difference. So what we did is put the big vinyl decal on the front windows. We're pushing that for all legal stores to do that, to message it out there so they can you know, get this transition done. And obviously as the stores come on, I think York and the enforcement has a job to do to start shutting these guys down. And it seems like they're starting to do that got a little more teeth versus a bark with some of these, you know, fines are having now some of the landlords. I think they're doing a little more aggressive approach to transition and get this illicit shop shut down. Obviously you've been involved in, in several States. Now you've seen the growth and expansion of some of your partners that you mentioned that have just exploded and you work with them as they've kind of grown in those other States. How do you think New York will compare to those other States in terms of the cannabis industry and growth over these next few years. It's going to be good and bad. I think just like anything else, there's going to be some huge successes out there. And unfortunately, there's going to be some failures. It's just, you know, it's a new market. It's happened in California and all the other states were done. You know, I'm excited because New York's New York. You know, obviously the concentration of populations, you know, what New York's, obviously, I think I just saw the thing, they're the largest consumer of cannabis of every city in the world. So I think, you know, obviously there's customers, you know, the, the consumers are there. Unfortunately, some of the people that I see out there there's going to be some challenges, you know, in competition. What I hope doesn't happen is I see a lot of different states that when the competition gets rough, they just start dropping their prices. They just don't, they don't know their cogs. They don't know things. And that's what you got to get to be careful because you just can't lower it and not have an understanding of your operations and costs because you could drive yourself right out of business and you don't even know. And it's happened every state that you see, the price spikes up because there's never enough supply. So, that, you know, $2,500, $3,000 a pound goes way up there. And then when it drops, when there gets oversupply, no one's ever prepared for that day. It happened in California recently. It's happened in Michigan. It happened in Colorado. All these states is you know what I call is the normalization of the market. It's just the supply demand with retail growing, all the different factors that put into this. And it's just the normalization. And, and that's where the sharp people that know their costs, know how to operate and are business minded people that know those will do fine. The scare I have is people that are a little more uh, running by the wild and not knowing these things. Those are the people that could potentially get in trouble. So what are some of the suggestions that you would give to some of these new licensees? Find a good accountant sounds like a big <laughs> part of it. But Absolutely. I mean, seriously, I mean, what, what would be some advice that you would give to either new licensees or people that are really interested in getting involved 
in the retail aspect of cannabis? I, I think as we talked about a little while ago is, is reversing in, into a business plan of how much can you do business? I mean, how much do you think you're going to be able to sell? You know, I can tell you anything you want, but the bottom line is how hard do you want to work? How much are you going to hustle? What do you want to do? So taking the factors of, you know, what the cogs are, what a rent is, are you going to go in there and work hard? Are you going to hire a staff and creating, you know, some of the accountants to reverse engineer into a business plan of what's doable. I see so many times people bite off too much and then they have this massive 40, 50, 60,000 rent. That's a big nut to cover before you pay anything else. Mm. So I think just being careful about what you can do. You could always grow later. Just don't take off too much. I, I, I see that's happened, you know, in California, different markets, people buy way too big of a, a site and then can't support it with sales. That's never a good thing. There's so much technology in these stores now with processing, getting people through. We could push through a lot of people with all the different technology pieces versus, you know, six years ago. Lines were cool back six years ago. Lines are no longer cool, especially in New York. No one has patience. They want it. They want to get it and get out. So those are queuing things that we can do. But, you know, going back is really setting up for your success. Do the due diligence, knowing a business plan, having the numbers in your head of what you can do. And then 280E, 280E is a killer. You know, you can't write off your expenses. Just understanding what you can and cannot do with that is key. A lot of people go, what? I can't write that off? No, they don't, they're not aware of 280E. So those are just, you know, the, the surprises people do. And like, what? I didn't know that. So I think just having your eyes all wide open, going into a, opening a business is super important and smart. You know, Mike, it sounds like somebody that hits the lotto that didn't have a money management skills and they need to get those skills. But it might be the case if you haven't been in retail or run a retail business. Yeah, you have to have a lot of knowledge and training or people around you that are experienced in order to be able to, you know, stay in business, especially with competition in a state like New York and a city like New York City, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And, and like you say, just having the diligence of knowing your costs, knowing your bottom line, where you have to do to make money. So you don't just race to the bottom. I see too many people race to the bottom and then they go, oh, now we're in the red. We've been in red too long. And now how do you get out of it? What are you going to do? Raise capital in a distressed situation or close your doors? Never a good situation to be in. You know, explain to our listeners what the card program is and stands for and, and how you guys have worked to support it. Yeah. So the card is, is their acronym for, for basically retail dispensaries and they've given it to social equity applicants. They've given tranches of license out, conditional adult use retail dispensary. So what it is, they give out tranches and they've had to go through a prerequisite, a scoring system to be able to get that. So the first tranche is 30 and then they give increments of, of different licenses out. I think there are 400 and 50 now. So quite a bit of different licenses, but they had to go through, I OCM had given a criteria of how they're going to award the licenses based on the scoring merits. So the state is going to try building, you know, anywhere from, you know, up to maybe 150 stores based on the money, how far it goes out to get done. The rest of these licensees are out trying to find parcels. And that's one of the challenges I see right now is they give out a lot of licenses so a lot of people out scrambling for properties, you know, that never makes a good situation when you have, you know, 450 licensees out running, trying to get licenses and competing with each other. And that's where I'm telling my teams that I talk to and everyone on consult, just don't get caught up in a bidding war. You just never want to get in an emotional state, come from a business state of mind. If you get emotional and you just throw money on top of money, more times than not, you know, you're emotionally buying something that's always more than you, you should be paying. So be careful about, you know, what you're doing there. But that has created a little bit of challenge. I talked to, you know, real estate guys, I talked to car licensees, and they're all, you know, scampering out. They're trying to figure out the properties and where they can and cannot get it. And then the buffers, you know, there's certain buffers that, that prerequisite OCM and there's not a go-to system. So they literally have to get the location, 
put it in the system, see it is, and then if it fails, then they're going to go back, find another one. If it improves, you won the lottery, you got a location, you can go forward. But that there's a lot of stress in going, in going through that right now in that process. Is there any other changes that you would like to see in the industry, whether it's in New York or across uh, the country, that could be more supportive of the industry? Obviously, people wanted the Safe Banking Act and stuff, and you know it's a big challenge. I think the biggest one is descheduling to be able to get the 280 write-off is a massive. You know, explain one. that. So the 280E, you know, right now is because it's a scheduled drug. You can't write off your expenses. You know, so what's sad, you know, and I've met with a lot of you know politicians out there. What ends up happening is you kind of create a problem that I, I see a lot of people end up, you know, being creative with their counting because you don't have these popular, you know, don't have these write-offs. So it actually kind of creates a, a bigger risk of fraud and different things of doing numbers differently to make it worthwhile when you can't write off your expenses. You know, that's a big write-off that any other business, you know, person could write off. That's a challenge when you're talking about a business that, you know, doing well and you can't write off that when every other legal business can write off those expenses, you know, cannabis company cannot. Interesting. And then I assume also banking has to be a big issue. Yeah. There's a lot more banks that are out there doing it. You know, they got to run the SARS, they got to do it. So, you know, I think the banking isn't as hard, you know, they maybe charge a little heavier in the fees, but most people I know have banking. It's not a problem like a lot of the credit unions and different things. Now, what's not easy is because of the schedule one and all that is loans and getting credit lines and stuff. That is another challenge with regards to, you know, deschedulizing and getting this to safe banking where there's more access to capital. That has always been a challenge. So when you're talking about, you know, a typical business getting a loan and stuff, you know, single digits, all these guys, when you're talking about raising money or getting money in the space, it's, you know, 14, 20, 30. I mean, it's, it's predatory in a sense, you know, so they do charge excessive because of the situation with the schedulization of the cannabis. And I guess my last question for you is, are there any upcoming openings that you're working on in New York? Yeah, so I just turned over Bleaker, which is Smack Village on Bleaker. So that's turned over. They're training going through through that process right now. I already opened Greenery Spot Johnson City. Tuesday, I've got Harlem, which is Gotham Buds on 125th. So that's going to be opening up on Tuesday or transitioning to, you know, to, for them to start opening the store. I've got Turt Brothers, that's a, a car coalition gentleman. Uh, Jeremy Rivera, which is on Dittmar's in Queens okay. next week. And then I've got probably about 10 to 12, I got Conbud that's off of Delancey. That's uh, September 13th. So quite a few stores coming. So it's exciting. You know, some of these stores that we got coming up. So it, it, some of them are private. Some of them are public sector through the state. Some of them are private. So I'm excited on both sides of that to get these stores open and, and see this transition to more population of stores getting opened. Well, Mike, it's been a pleasure talking to you and learning more about you, your business and the cannabis industry. And it's honestly Good to hear that the the legal stores are rolling out. No, it's exciting. And like you say, we got some really cool stores. I'm really excited about getting these stores open. And last week when we got Bleaker open and getting people, oh my gosh, this store is beautiful. And just seeing the vibe it created and stuff, seeing the card applicant, you know, you know, getting all teary-eyed, just excited about seeing the store going, oh my gosh, this is my store. So I feel like Santa Claus half the time because I, I get to you know be able to build this, <laughs> present it to him, hand him the keys, walk through it. You know, at the very beginning when we turned over this, when we took the store, seeing his face then, you know, just seeing that he got the license now that he's getting an operational store handed over to him and taking possession it's just it's really cool seeing the family go through it i just like i said i feel like santa claus it's it's pretty cool well i can hear why you're successful you're very passionate and you love what you do 
Yes. No, I absolutely love it. I thrive on it. Now, I don't want to call these the little guys, but it's the guys that have been really challenged through the space, really went through a lot of crap in their lives. And now they got an opportunity to, to get some general wealth created by them by doing what they do. And that's why I try to help anything that I can do for them of setting them up for success. I'm open book with them. I can tell them how all the other big guys and the, the legacy brands do it to know how to run the business and how to go about the social media, all the different things, all the tricks that I've seen everyone do. I can help them for success to be able to you know, do, do well and be, be successful. Well, thank you again, Mike. Yeah, no problem. Absolute pleasure. Thanks for having me, Josh. It was a pleasure. Make sure to subscribe to Schneps Connects wherever you get your podcasts or stream us online at podcast.schnepsmedia.com.